Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, Israeli troops enter a Gaza hospital. And the next president of Guatemala tangles with the ruling elite. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close where they're happening. It's Wednesday, November 15th. I'm Greg Dixon. In a few minutes, Guatemala's president-elect tells NPR why the country's ruling elite are trying to prevent him from assuming office. But first, the Israeli military said its troops went into the largest hospital in Gaza. They say Hamas militants operate in Al-Shifa Hospital and other hospitals, in tunnels underneath. Conditions at the hospital had been growing increasingly desperate for patients and medical staff as supplies dwindled and fighting went on around it. NPR's Peter Kenyon is in Jerusalem, and he told Elsa Chang about the Israeli military operation at Al-Shifa on Wednesday. The Israeli military mounted an operation inside the hospital, which is a complex of buildings, saying its troops took every measure to ensure that patients, staff, and civilians weren't harmed. Al-Shifa is a pretty modern hospital where doctors have carried out complex operations. Uh, But doctors and others have described dire conditions for the hundreds of people still there. They say low power supplies have left them unable to run incubators for infants, and at least two have died. They say they've had to bury people in a mass grave. And for the living, food and water are running low. Rights groups say hospitals are protected under international law, even if militants are around. But Israel says Hamas using al-Shifa as a base of operations voids that protected status. The military says they discovered weapons in what they call terrorist infrastructure at al-Shifa. And what exactly is Israel saying right now about why they felt they had to enter al-Shifa? Uh, Well, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was full of praise for this operation, saying in a statement, quote, there is no place in Gaza we cannot reach, there are no hideouts, there is no shelter or refuge for the Hamas murderers. Uh, Military spokesperson Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said Hamas was guilty of using a facility designed to save lives to mount terrorist attacks. Uh, Here's some of what he said. Israel is at war with Hamas, not with the civilians in Gaza. The IDF has publicly warned time and again that Hamas's continued military use of Shifa Hospital jeopardizes its protected status under the international law. Now, the military also says its troops clashed with and killed Hamas militants outside the hospital before gaining access. And is there any new information now on the more than 200 hostages being held by Hamas? Like, how are efforts going to secure their release? Uh, Well, President Biden has said talks are ongoing. The Reuters news agency is reporting mediators from Qatar are trying to negotiate a deal with Hamas and Israel that would see Hamas release some 50 hostages in exchange for a three-day ceasefire. That would be the biggest release of hostages since this crisis began October 7th. Uh, But some Israeli media report the talks are stalled. And what do we know about where the Israeli military operation in Gaza stands at this point? Like, what might happen next? Well, basically, the military is claiming success in northern Gaza. It moved many civilians out and killed a number of Hamas fighters. Remember, Israel's goals are to remove Hamas as a security threat and render it incapable of governing in the Gaza Strip or anywhere else. The analysts I've spoken with suggest it may be much harder for Israel to operate in the southern Gaza Strip as it did in the north. 
and Hamas fighters are still in firefights with Israeli troops, still firing rockets into Israel, so clearly the group is still operating. That is NPR's Peter Kenyon in Jerusalem. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Elsa. We're back in a minute. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com slash AI for people. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded, NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This summer in Guatemala, an anti-corruption presidential candidate stunned everyone and won the election. Now the country's ruling class wants to stop Bernardo Arevalo from becoming president. The government suspended Arevalo's political party, accusing it of wrongdoing. His supporters filled the streets to protest, demanding that he take office in January. NPR's Ader Peralta recently sat down with the president-elect of Guatemala to ask him about what he calls a slow-motion coup. So we didn't have any plans, and at some point we look out of the window and they say, did you see they are here? And we go out, and with the vice president we say, we need to go down. And and then the security team comes and say, no way. Hmm. You cannot go down like that. That was August 21st. Bernardo Arevalo has just won the presidency. A stunning development, considering he was an unlikely candidate leading an idealistic party backed by a bunch of young people. And he won with a 21-point lead. And now thousands of people were celebrating outside his hotel. But we said, but we cannot leave them like that. I mean, we were behind a glass, just waving. It was not what was required. So we went out completely on plan, unscripted, just to say thank you. I was there that day on the street, and it was euphoric. This is a huge celebration in Guatemala because this was not supposed to happen. People are chanting, yes, we did it. Yes, it could be done. Now the president-elect and the vice-president-elect are out on the balcony. And they're waving, and you can hear this crowd. Did you feel the weight of that moment? Absolutely. People never go to the streets to celebrate political wins. It's not in their hearts. But here they were doing it. And so we we understood the weight that this implied in terms of the hope and the expectations that come attached to hope in terms of uh, yeah, we want to get rid of this, and, and, and you brought us hope. Now now the challenge is delivered. Mm. So, yeah, it comes with a weight. 
But almost immediately, that moment was followed by attempts to keep Arevalo from taking office. A court ordered that his party be disqualified, authorities raided his party offices, and even after the election results had been finalized, the Attorney General's office ransacked the Electoral Commission without saying what they were investigating. Arevalo has described this as a slow-motion coup, a modern way to subvert democracy. The coup d'etat of the past was were an affair that happened in two days hmm. with a lot of power and, and you use the armies of other security forces to generate a change of government, ousting the people at the point of bayonets. Okay, so that was it. That was in the 20th century and we had our share of coup d'etats in Guatemala. In the 21st century, all over the world, coups are being conducted by lawfare. They are being conducted by uh, co-opted institutions Justice institutions that then begin to be used selectively, non-objectively, opportunistically, and sometimes even to the point of completely fabricating or falsifying uh, evidence or not in order to try to attack somebody to gain the same effect that the old violent coups were getting, which is to prevent people that are in office or got elected to office to actually governing. So the result is the same. The means is different. And the means here is by judicial persecution. I pushed Arevalo on who was running this attempt against his election. He said it was a clique of powerful people from the executive. But President Alejandro Yamate has said he will work with you toward a transition, that you will become the president of Guatemala come January. Do you not believe him? Well, we have... I have asked him, and the OAS has asked him, and the international community has asked him to come out clearly and say that he is against these efforts for political persecution. He has not done so. Hmm. So ask him. To Bernardo Arevalo, what is happening in Guatemala is part of something bigger. In Central America, there has been a huge democratic backslide. In Nicaragua, institutions have been co-opted to keep President Daniel Ortega in power off and on for almost 30 years. In El Salvador, the courts have been used to reinterpret the constitution, allowing President Nayib Bukele to seek re-election. In Guatemala, judges, journalists, human rights activists had been sent into exile by an increasingly authoritarian government. I think that at this point in time, not only in Latin America, not only in Central America, but all over the world, democracy is at a difficult moment. We have threats, some old, some new emerging that are, you know, questioning the basic principles of of, uh, democratic uh, coexistence in a society. And uh, we need to bring democratic institutions that also respond to the needs of the people, because one of the reasons why democracy is being questioned in many places is because it has stopped to deliver the social development, the social justice that everybody requires in order to develop a life in dignity uh, and, and, and in security. So I think that uh, we need to claim democracy back, and uh, that's what we hope to do in our government. Whether or not he gets that chance will be decided in the new year. Bernardo Arevalo is scheduled to become president January 14th. That's NPR's Ader Peralta. That's the State of the World from NPR. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity tells you there is more to uncover. How how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism. Immersive and intimate stories. I was stone-cold speechless. Nothing will ever, 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 ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.